Hello everybody, it's Phil the Issues Guy and welcome to this week's Issues Program. And also episode 3 of Star Trek Month. I mean literally Into the Darkness is coming out tonight at 12 midnight. Or tomorrow at 12 midnight. Tomorrow morning at 12 midnight. Whatever, however you want to look at it. It's coming out really damn soon and I'm really excited. I know a lot of my friends and fellow fellow press members might have seen it last night. I did not get into any advanced screenings of it, but I am going to be seeing it the first possible day. I'm going to see it in a big widescreen. Oh, I can't wait. It's Star Trek time. And by the way, folks, if you want to call, leave a message, text, anything about Star Trek, anything that you want me to talk about on the issues programs coming up in the next couple of months or any time, any questions, concerns you have, you can do it at 781 781- Nine nine zero eight five zero nine. Again, that's seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. And you can call or text that number twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Use it as a drunk hotline for all I care. And also, please check out the website issuesprogram.com. There you can find all my latest podcasts and links to last year's podcasts as well. Any news stories or special videos that I that I'm doing. You can also find links to all my good friends, Jace Down Studios, my family members of the Land of Esh, Boston Bass Brigade, Geek Argo, Steph NEZ. Look for all that information on the website, and you can hook into all of that in my links section. But back to Star Trek. Now, this is episode three of Star Trek Month, as we said. In episode one, I looked at my love for Star Trek and with a little bit more focus on the television series. And then last week, I expanded it by discussing the movies and some some pre-hype for Into the Darkness coming out. But this week, I decided to bring, bring to you guys one of, one of my favorite old guests from the original Issues program over at the college. He calls in occasionally these days now, but he's a little bit busier of a schedule, so we don't, can't get him on quite as much as we used to. And plus, we record at different times, so it's kind of, you know, but hopefully in this next year we'll be getting him on even more because we had such a good time talking to him, is Gotti from... Well, he's not from anywhere. He's from Gotti. He's from Navrim. He's Gotti. My cousin, my good friend. And we talk about Star Trek getting to, I don't know, about his love, about where he came on board, and then how I was influenced by him. Well, well you'll hear. You'll hear. Let's get to it already. Let's get to the Gotti interview. Guys, I hope you enjoy. Let's get Gotti on the phone. Gotti! What was the first Star Trek that you watched? What was the first thing that kind of got you into it? Was it the movies or was it the original series? Um, I saw the I saw the motion picture in the theater. Did you also see it at the Surf Theater? I probably did. I had also seen Star Trek and uh, Star Wars and thought mm-hmm. it was dreadful. I, I I'm not a Star Wars fan. Just that, and they were and and I saw um. And I saw the motion picture, and I was like, I knew Spock, I knew Kirk, I knew the characters. I had seen them on TV, but I wasn't really into the show. Mm-hmm. And and be- you know? just just to tread on something, last week I did a a great deal of bashing of Star Trek One to a to a certain extent, and then got into some hatred or some flared up rage that I have for uh, for Space Odyssey and and how that was influenced. Did you watch Space Odyssey at that uh, when it came out around that time? Were, did you did you see that? No, around? no, it came out I think the year before I was born or something. Mm-hmm. But um, I I watched Space Odyssey. I don't even know. I was a teenager sometime, so, and then I thought it was boring because it's like 
it was kind of it was kind of like sitting through those excruciating seconds at the beginning of <laughs> was it was it Nemesis where the bottle's about to hit the ship? Yeah, where you just see the slow yeah slowly slowly yeah you know and and that's I guess uh, when... I I can't believe I got that movie right because. <laughs> <laughs> You always mess up the names of those those next generation ones because they blend. Next generation movies. Yeah, because they because because especially two of the, those two kind the last two kind of blend together of one one kind of horrible movie. But the thing with Space Odyssey, I guess I was asking, I was wondering if you had saw if you saw Space Odyssey before you saw Star Trek One. No, okay. I didn't. Okay, I saw I saw Star Trek One, and then I saw Space Odyssey. You know, sometime afterwards. Because I do um, think I do think uh, Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and Paramount were as much influenced by Space Odyssey as they were, and I th- I said this last week, and I, I'm not sure if you got to that point, but I, it, in the sense that I think they were inspired by the success of Star Wars, but they didn't. Star Wars one, uh, Star Trek one definitely has nothing. There's nothing that feels Star Trek Star Warsy in it at all. It does. It, it does. It wasn't here. You're you're getting it slightly wrong. They weren't mm-hmm. saying. You know, we have something that's like Star Wars. They were saying we have a space fan- franchise. Okay. People like space. We have the word star but in our title. And, and we have star in the title. We have space, you know, that we own that was successful. Let's get it back on the screen. Fair enough. And, and that's, I, that's the slight difference. And I know at the time they were also bending around the idea of that Phase 2 series that uh, that they were going to bring everyone back for another television series yeah. because of the refound well, f- fame of uh, fame of on reruns of the original series. One thing that would be terrific to do is see if we can get that cousin of ours who wound up, he was a producer for Hearst and he produced Lifetime movies because they owned Hearst. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but he was the guy that Paramount hired either to produce Phase 2 or the last thing I read about him was confusing. There was either something between the cartoon and Phase 2 or it was Phase 2 that he was hired to produce. Mm-hmm. Most of the information that I'm going on right now comes from a jaded perspective. It comes from that Leonard Nimoy audio thing I believe I sent you as mm-hmm. well where he's talking about his order of events in, in the process. So you're, you're very much, there probably was something in between. But I like my quote-unquote inside information is coming from Leonard Nimoy who obviously has his own uh, agenda in in that book and well, of course he does you know of course i mean you know any anybody any actor's going to yeah exa- that's but that's I think nature it would be really interesting to get um jerry eisenberg's perspective on you know what what were you doing for star trek what was yeah, that it just, all about i guess it just seems to me two different two different two different questions the space odyssey thing i do have to go back a little bit on what i was saying last week i don't think space odyssey is a piece of crap yeah, sure. movie i do think it's slightly overrated compared to some of other kubrick's work and i think i think but the but that's kind of what you said it perfectly in a message you sent me it that's what what I don't like about that movie is what Kubrick was going for, and he was successful at doing that. It, the way the movie looks, the way it moves is a very slow, makes, gives you a very uneasy feeling while you're watching the whole thing. Uh, the impending doom's mm-hmm. just coming, and to me, it, it is an exciting half an hour episode of a series wrapped with a lot of foreplay that doesn't necessarily need to be there. For my taste, you know, that's just me, pers- you know, me personally, but I do respect I- Star Trek one on I the. I liked. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Keep, keep. No worries. I liked. Um, I, I liked you know techie stuff back then mm-hmm. in a certain way, like futuristic stuff, which it doesn't interest me anymore because it's sort of like, eh, you know, we can do it. Mm-hmm. So what? 
But back then it was like but do you, really you know, just, to, and, you just, know. just to go on that point for a second, what's interesting about that sure. is if you think about that now, it's more everything's retro now. Back back in the late mm-hmm. back in the eighties or even the early nineties, some extent, definitely in the seventies, it was all about the oh fu- my all about the future, all about like everything in sci fi was going to the future, you know. And then it gets to a point. You're right, where people are, eh, I don't want, I don't care about pushing. We, since Next Generation Void, we haven't gotten that next series later in the future because they kind of wrote themselves into a corner with you know with the technology reaching a certain point. So now everyone seems to be interested in retros, recanning, going back in time, you know, seeing styles. It's it's just an interesting change in our in the science fiction landscape in some ways. It is. I mean, it's you know, Ray Kurzweil I think would say, "Aha! You yeah. know, we're going to reach the singularity. We can't think of anything else <laughs> that the technology can do." But 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 barring I get, that nonsense. But what you were I think I think so you like the techie sort of vibe and the futuristic vibe of Space Odyssey at the time that you saw it. You were in, you were into that sort of futuristic. Yes. That was very interesting to me to see like the Bell system mm-hmm. in you know 2001 and what it was going to be like to you know the way that they walked upside down and mm-hmm. how they had the. The space toilets with the instructions yeah. that you couldn't. No, really I can, I can, ima- I can imagine that where where I didn't necessarily see Space Odyssey until again, and I mentioned this last week about Star Trek, the original Star Trek. I didn't see Space Odyssey Odyssey until I was in college in a film study class, and oh wow, okay. m- much much later. Yeah, it, and that's recent years. I you know I grew. It I would went have to, lost any. Yeah, and then I'm I'm watching then. it compared to other really great cinematic cinematic movies that we're watching in that class, and then we get to Space Odyssey, and it just yeah I think we watched it right after a Woody Allen movie or something, and I'm really into mm-hmm. for my taste personally. Uh, I love witty dialogue. I love David Ives theater. I love Woody. Allen. You know, I love that uh, David Mamet as well. I like that sort of bounce off dialogue and Woody Allen movies when they hit and the good the good ones. Where and I think this was mm-hmm. this might have been P.S. I love you or something. And it was one of his good ones that I really enjoy. And uh, and it, and I was just I was extremely bored going from going from Citizen Kane to a Woody Allen movie to you know that movie when I had seen some other of, of Kubrick's work at all half of All Eyes Wide Sh- Eyes Wide Shut and of course uh, God I'm blanking on the name his his most uh, Clockwork Orange I mean I'd seen some of his other work and was just a little bit I un- was under- way too young when I saw Clockwork Orange I, I have, I've, I've actually I've actually I'm not going to get too into that because I know it's a personal matter but I have actually heard from many of uh, many of your brothers about <laughs> about the fact that you all watched Clockwork Orange oh at, yes we did at way too young um, of an age. Alan has told but that story on the show. I just realized before. when I I just realized you want to hear a laugh. You know what I saw first before I saw um, uh, 2001: A Space mm-hmm. Odyssey. I saw an episode of The Bionic Woman <laughs> where Jamie has to save this plant that's going to blow up, and the plant is run by a computer named Alex, and it has these little red eyes, and it has these these um, memory things that she has to pull out and put in in the right order to get them to work. And she has to take out one of its little, you know, transistors to make her own arm work. And it was complete ripoff of 
of you know of a, a same voice. Yep, same. And I don't know if it was, it's it's interesting that you say that because I was when you were discussing about being into futuristic things and uh, th- that time period, the first thing that popped into my mind, even though it's not necessarily futuristic, but it is science fiction, future talent, whatever. What would was the six million dollar man and the bionic woman that for whatever for whatever yep. reason, just the, you know, one of those. It shows how we're family. The images of that just just floated into my head. So so you appreciated Space Odyssey, and but I guess the point is or is aside oh, from of course because it was just like that episode of yeah, the Bionic just... Woman, <laughs> and I love the Bionic Woman. <laughs> I do too. Let's ju- let's just accept that Space Odyssey, th- the discussion of its merits, is a different topic. Going to Star Trek One, uh, it it was obviously very influenced with the style of the visual cinematic style that Kubrick was going for in that. My problem with that translating to Star Trek, and especially in the nature of where I saw it, where I saw the original series, I even saw saw a lot of deep uh, next generation and a good amount of Deep Space Nine. I wasn't quite the deep, deep, deep Space Nine addict I am these days, but but I was but I had seen it when I orig- originally saw the the motion picture. And the motion picture to me seemed like I was watching different characters in a different universe. It seemed like I was watching a science fiction universe that the Enterprise and the crew were guest starring in. And it wasn't the Star Trek universe. The Kirk didn't seem to have the same. And I understand that they were coming out of, there was some sort of theme. No, there wasn't. And I'm going to, like, I just read your other message and you're right. I The problem with one it isn't necessarily even the boring Uh, the boring camera pans of the ship, too long of those. It's that there doesn't seem to be any of the same joy in the interactions between the actors. And there isn't an overall theme to the movie. Is it coming out of retirement? Is it, I don't understand what it is. It's, it, and it and it's a bummer. It's it's you know it's not that it's a bad movie even. It's just like you sit there and you're like you feel bad. You start to feel di- you feel like, it's like wow this movie's drab. And then you get the you know those 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 awful pantsuits that they wore. Yeah, yeah the, And you have that chick, the the hot chick walking around going, "I am celebrating." I am oh, Vida. Yeah, and you get the seventh heaven guys, the dads. So you know, no sex is happening, and and the problem as well. You you just you just jumped on it a little bit, but the uniforms, I guess, from what the actors say, were very very uncomfortable and hindering their ability to have any joy. But but you but you're right. You're, the main point I think that that you treaded on is is perfect. The movie doesn't give you any happy, good, fuzzy feeling at all. And say what you want about Star Trek, about the melodrama that accompanies some episodes or some moments. There's always that melodrama mixed with some sense of a wink or humor or or not even humor, just hope. You know, at the end of Best of Both Worlds, yeah. when Bacard gets captured, yeah. I mean, you know, you know that you don't know he's coming well, back. He sits down and he t- no. Oh, you don't know the first one. The first. I'm saying at the end you of the first know, one, you don't know he's coming back. You know that they're going to try. You know they're going to try. Exactly. You, you, Wesley's still sitting there, smile. Excuse me, smiling. And and Worf's. Oh, he's a he is a bore. You know, it's like it's there's still he some, is a, it's a Borg. He's, he's whining. Yeah, he's, yeah there. He's he a Borg. He is a Borg. We couldn't even try to get. Them, even though we went to go back and get him in the second part of that episode, it was really, really easy. But we couldn't get him there, there. But there's still a sense of humor when Spock dies in part two. That there might be, it might be depressing, but you know, 
the rest of that movie is a sort of a positive vibe, so it evens out. And and it's not even mm-hmm. that the first movie is very uh, very. There's not a lot of sad things that happen in it necessarily either. It's just very dark. Spock doesn't. Uh, Leonard Nimoy doesn't have that same fire in him that he has in all the other work that he is. You don't. And I mentioned this before, but you don't really have. I. The comic relief that was built into the series to be the comic relief, they don't, aside from maybe that the opening scene when Bones gets beamed up and he's in the big crazy beard, that you don't... That, that, was, that was funny. That, that was funny. But you don't really but have was it. Bones being Bones. I mean, th- th- that could have been a perfect movie for him just to... Even in the way the dialogue sounds, it sounds... A little-known Star Trek or, or Starfleet reactivation clause, you know. It, it, seems, it seems everything is very... Everything is very... A very even tennis match. You know, there's no acting. It's just, it's just. Oh, Gotti, mm-hmm. we need to do this podcast. Yes, Phil, we need to do the podcast. You know, it's and it's very, it's speaky, dialogue-y, and 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 I just, I don't like it, and I and I hate to say it. It doesn't feel like friends got together after a long. No, time. no, and say what you want about and the other two contenders for the crappiest Star Star Trek movies, uh, Insurrection and Nemesis. There. At least you still felt some sort of joy between the characters, inter- even though the stories kind of sucked. And that's why I will put it ahead of the ahead of those two. And I guess the other inclusion into the crap list is five. The lighting alone puts me off the next gen film. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that. We'll get to the next gen films. Yeah, sure. But but uh, but, but um, but, no, I, I, it's interesting to hear you say that six is your favorite. I, I can see that it's 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 not necessarily mine, but it's it's a fun film and it's, it's a good film. And I mean, I like, uh, I I love Ratha Khan, and I love Four, and I would say there's at times when all three of those movies have been my favorite, but mm-hmm. but time I love Four, be, yeah. but but as as time has gone on, I Six has just risen up because of, and I mentioned it again, I mentioned last week, I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I don't care, <laughs> deal with it, mother grabbers, uh, the the interaction between Spock and, and Kirk in that movie, in a lot of scenes that they're talking, there's so much real emotion between the two of them as this, as they were retiring as Kirk and Spock, yeah. you know, and there's so yeah. much truth, that, I mean, again, that movie's not without its faults, I would have loved to see Kirstie Alley back instead of that random Kim Cattrall character that's there for no reason, just except, Kirstie Alley would have been, a, yes, it would have been wonderful, it, if they it, brought Savick back, happen. yeah, but it was, it was unfortunate that that couldn't happen, I don't necessarily, I wish we got a little bit more of the Klingon Chancellor before he got killed on the ship, because um, he was such a great character, I love that actor. I loved mm-hmm. him on Deep Space Nine. I, I love, I just, I love him in the Star Trek world. And of Summer. course, yes, and of course, yeah. of course, obviously, Next Generation was already out at that point, and some of the Klingon physiology doesn't really add right. up. The green they, blood and right. and all that sort of stuff. It, it just, it just, it seems a little well, silly. Well, there was also like all of a sudden when the Romulans reappeared in the first season of next generation and i think they wound up wishing that they hadn't sent them away but whatever yeah they suddenly had bumps on their heads where they didn't use yeah exactly you know? things like that have obviously the, the early the early klingons were what they were and then the klingons came back you know came back it uh, and that's sort of explained in enterprise but i don't i try not to watch enterprise it's bad for my health 
Um, yeah, no, not good. <laughs> but that being said, we've had a few words just to include him into this conversation in, cl- in case I can't actually get him on the air because I know he's busy. But he did send his word that, that Alan doesn't really want to be on this month of Star Trek because he feels like he'll be objectified because he feels like he's the only Enterprise fan in the world. He feels like he's the only one of us, Gotti, oh, no. between I all have, of us that appreciates friend, Enterprise. My friend Kevin is an Enterprise fan, I believe, I, I, and I know, I think I know other people. Yeah, I know. A lot of people yeah. suffer that disease. It's it's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I, it's a um, shame those people exist. Cool. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone's free to their opinion, except for that Enterprise is the best Star Trek series. That opinion's... I'll even accept Voyager because I know some people... If you love an actor or you love a style... There are moments on Voyager that are watchable. That, that are watchable. But, you, but what I can say is is i can get how that could be someone's favorite star trek it's not mine but i could get how someone someone that might be you know challenged in some way might might really like kate mulgrove as an actor actress and might completely appreciate the Tech, lo- that loves techno babble and loves seeing the board get their ass kicked. I mean, would, all those things could be possible or could love Robert Picari so much that Voyager is their favorite series. I could, I could understand that. I can't understand someone t- saying Enterprise was their favorite star. I can, I do understand the merits of Enterprise. The the third and fourth season were much better than previous seasons, but the first and second season suck. I watched, I watched. They were better than than most of, um, you know, that show with Cousin Larry and Cousin Balky. Yep, absolutely. But by talking about, yeah, Perfect Strangers. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was was much better than Perfect Strangers. But it's no quantum leap, mother grabbers. No quantum leap. And I kept wanting Scott... and again, maybe I'm going on knowledge that I have from the Captain's documentary after the fact. I never, when I was watching Enterprise, I never felt like... Bacula was completely committed to the part, and well, I think he said that the the whole the whole cast uh, didn't have chemistry. Yeah, is what he I think yeah. is how he put it. He said he he said that his and that the um in Shatner's documentary. Yeah, he he said I was jealous of what all the other casts, and he said specifically your cast had the, yeah. this chemistry that my cast for whatever reason never could get. And he also said in that documentary that that I had already done because when you talk to talk to Kate Mulgrove and Patrick Stewart and they try to talk to Avery Brooks they all basically say relatively the loving dovey baby when I worked on the show Mr. Shatner I like to go home and basically in Avery Brooks speak that was they worked really hard long hours Scott Bakular said he didn't work as hard as he did on Quantum Leap on Enterprise and I and I do think it mm-hmm. it showed to a point but we're going to rewind back in time a little bit. So you were you were, your first your first bite of the Star Trek was Star Trek the motion picture. You were interested in that, and yeah. then and then at that point, did you go back in and watch reruns of the original series? And well, bear in mind, I had seen reruns of the original series. It just never really yeah, but, caught me. And then I guess was I guess so, my question is because the original series is something I more. I've never really been able to watch it like the other series. I do. I have watched yeah. it. I do enjoy it, but it is difficult for me. Not the the special effects and the style and the visual style is slightly difficult for me not to enjoy it, but to take it as serious as I take uh, 
mm-hmm. Next Generation, the films, and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. It's it's hard for me to take it. You know, you know what I'm saying. It, it takes me out a little bit. Sure. Um, but I do sure. appreciate it, and I've gone back and watched it. But I've never been. I'd never be in a place where I'd say the. I mentioned this in my podcast too before. I always said when Next Generation was out, I always said the original was my favorite. But I wasn't talking about the series. I, maybe I was talking about elements of series, but I was talking about those characters. And I guess my question mm-hmm. is, were you ever, did you, after seeing the motion picture, go back and become obsessed or become way into the original series Like at, um, at that point? Just before Next Gen premiered, mm-hmm. Was when I got like a couple of years before that. Okay, just, so, Alan was what Alan was watching. I started watching it. So, um, so when Rath- and I really started getting into it. So d- did Rathacon and did the three movies in between just kind of keep you salivating to the point where Next Generation really doused you with you know really got your pardon the expression really got you wet you know like you you like. Were you? Would you consider yourself? No, actually, I can answer that question myself. I actually no, didn't I, see three until it was on television. But I, but I, I can kind of answer. On cable. I can answer my question myself I a little bit it. because you sure. were a Trekkie or a huge Star Trek fan before Next Generation came out. Because I remember, yes, you, I, I remember you coming out over and having come. And having all the little gadgets and having a lot of toys, one of which that, yep. I, that I have with me right here as I thank you for the present. <laughs> thank you for the present, Gotti, uh, that, I, that I bring with me all the time and that, that I'm still looking for a way to carve it open and stick my cell phone in it so I can just use it as a phone. Uh, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm not that t- I, I'm thinking about asking Alan to do some sort of plastic cutty thingy poochie that he does. So, so yeah, you were way into because I actually, and I mentioned this before, the my first real, real love of Star Trek comes in a really awkward place because it was hanging out with you, and I remember hanging out with you, you and Kim, I believe, her, uh, your friend Kim, right? Yep. Uh, and you yep. guys talked about how you guys would get together with a group, with a moderate group of friends, and rent the videos and watch and watch Wrath of Khan and yeah, the and movies, the movies and stuff like that, and Especially. get together in a in the basement and walk and watch and have like. Um, marathon sessions and stuff mm-hmm. and that would really interest me and then I remember right around that time is when I saw four with you and you and Alan I believe I watched at your house yep. and and then I went with you and Kim and I believe two other people that I don't know that were just blank people because I don't remember and I was too young I don't even remember who it was but yeah there was somebody and we went to Star Could Trek have been f- her nephew we went to Star Trek five in the theater and Yes. I, and I personally loved it because I was a little kid watching it and I didn't know anything. All I remember about the movie at the time was the campfire scenes. I like blanked out, you know, I kind of blocked out everything oh, in between. Oh, with the marshmallow dispenser. Yeah, and I love those scenes. I still to this day love those scenes. And and I thought it was great. And for the longest time, I'd go around and tell people really widely open because I remember afterwards uh, walking out and you you saying something to Kim like oh the best thing about this movie was the theme song or so, something to that like this, like oh this this was wasn't yeah because the they, they reused the next gen theme right yeah exa- exa- or exactly the, or the TMP theme song but yeah and you were like the best thing about that was the theme and then you're like they used an extra shot here and, and I'm like and I'm kind of just like bl- I'm like oh whatever they're they're just and I'm not even thinking about it like you know later I'm embarrassing myself by telling Star Trek people that I meet later on oh five's my favorite and I get like a room full of laughter I'm like hey what's going on 
they're like five's your favorite and i'm like i'm like oh i'm sorry i guess i should oh yeah but you were a cute little i know kid. i was a kid and i and and you know when you don't really know a lot about something but you know a little bit and there's people that are experts on it around you you, mm-hmm. you just glamour onto whatever you know and all i really knew was star trek four and five and and for whatever it's worth, as a kid watching it, I didn't get all the jokes in four. And and I thought it was fun, but I also, you know, like liked the whales and stuff. But I really liked uh, space battles and stuff. You know, I really liked the the visual of the way the god thing looked as a kid. I'm talking about as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, but, sure. with, but then Next Generation obviously came out, I, I believe, after somewhere around the time when five – between five and six, I think Next Generation was officially out. And I remember you being one of the first adopters of Next Generation. And, uh, and I loved it, and everybody hated that first season. And, and I was like, no, it's so cool. Yeah, and you, yeah. you loved it. And then, and then the first time I remember actually sitting down and watching an episode with you was in season two when you were probably the – I think you – Picketed outside of Paramount Studio with a big sign that said "Kill Pul- <laughs> that said "Kill Pulaski," and the, I think you had like you had army. It's funny because I love her now. Yeah, she. I mean, I like I like her. I like her. I think if you watch back in a time capsule, it's interesting to see the dynamic she brought. She brought a different. She actually brought a personality where where I, I love. I love I love uh, me some Beverly Crusher from the way she looks and she's nice and she's a sweet woman and I can uh, and I can just imagine laying on her lap and her reading me stories like and like I think she'd be a great librarian and to you know like read you Peter Rabbit while she's like stroking your hair or something you know like like yeah but he's I, not gonna stay well if we don't get him to a star based medical facility oh, yeah oh, I mean, if, you, you know. if your arms hurt then just don't lift them you know but Pulaski had balls you know she had a personality. You know that we were both quoting from the same episode there? Yep. No, totally, totally. We were Brothers. Brothers episode. <laughs> yep. Go, geek 5. Okay, there we go. But, uh... But but yeah, so I remember you picketing. You had the army. You had your armies out everywhere. You know, we hate Pulaski. And then there was that episode she almost died in, and you were watching that at our house actually. And uh, it, it, uh and you were cheering it on. You're like, you're like, die, 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 die. <laughs> and then she comes back. You're like, ah. And then of course next it was too bad. next generation really took off for whatever you know what whatever people think about seasons one and two it. It from a successful from a, it took off on three. It took off in three. Yeah, once Riker got the beard, it took off. You know, like you know, I think that's what it came down to. Once, once, uh, once Jonathan Frakes put on the beard, it was all good. It was just like with Cisco. Once Cisco shaved the hair in in season three of Deep Space Nine and grew the beard, bam, shows amazing from that. Rocket. Yeah, it's exactly. Well, you know, the funny thing about um, um, Diana Muldor mm-hmm. is that. She had played a character who was supposed to be hated on L.A. Law, and I was a big fan of L.A. Law. And Corbin Barnes. Corbin Barnes. Hmm. I, I, the only reason I know much about L.A. Law is because one of my favorite characters. Cor- yeah, from Major League. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that was after she was Pulaski. And I just remember, you know, I just didn't like the character, but I just, and I loved, I really liked Dr. Crusher. And also I didn't like when things changed. Yeah. And then they brought back Dr., you know, Dr. Crusher. And And later, during the run of the series, I met, um, my friend lived in, let's say she lived in Unit 8 
of a building on the you know the, uh, or whatever on the eighth floor for building in the corner mm-hmm. unit. Um, Dr. Crusher kept the apartment she first had when she moved to New York to be a dancer, and it was like in the same corner, but it was unit you know twelve. Ah, uh, that episode and when she so, dances with Data makes a lot more sense now. But keep going. Yes. Yes, she's a she's a dancer. She's a choreographer. She choreographed um, that Muppet movie. In fact, that's what she did that year that she was off. Ah, interesting. Um, Interesting. Uh, what's that? Where the Muppets? Muppets. Muppet. Great Muppet. Muppet Caper. Muppets Take Manhattan. It's not called. No, it's not a Muppet. It, it, it's not called the Muppet anything. It's 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 um it's like the Muppets, but it's like a fantasy movie. Ah. David Bowie's in it. Oh, um, wow, okay. Uh, no. Uh, is it? Not not. Uh, it's is it the actual Muppets? You're not talking about Labyrinth, are you, or something? Yes, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's, it's Muppets, but it's not the Muppets. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, so I was in the... I, so I get on the elevator, and I look, and there I am, like, at the time, like, the world's biggest, like, oh my... Not quite biggest. I'd been to a con, but, you know, yeah, yeah, I had seen other people. I wasn't quite the biggest, but, but you know, I was a pretty big... Yeah, you were enough. And I enough. look, yeah, and there is Dr. Crusher <sighs> standing next to me, and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. All I all I could do was use every ounce of strength I had, not to like be like what deck or yeah, yeah make some yeah. turbo lift turbo lift turbo or, lift. you know <laughs> this is a great. I mean, t- <laughs> I'm in the woman's home. I'm like you know hi how are you? So basically I just you know I was like hi how are you? She's like I'm good. How are you? I'm like very good. You know nice day. And we had a little chit chat and I got off and she got off on her floor. And I, I remember this is one thing I learned like about you know, being a celebrity and how people are. I posted to it about, about it to a Star Trek news group. People emailed me asking the address. <laughs> of course. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give you Gates McFadden's address because that's a good idea. Yeah, because that's healthy. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's really going to help her not get killed. Yes. Yeah, um, so, so you brought you did the absolute so best thing, just being more chill about it, you know? Like, it just makes it a much, much more... Uh, relaxed well, yeah, type situation. I didn't want her to. Yeah, feel uncomfortable in the turbo lift. <laughs> yeah, I probably exactly. could. I probably couldn't help myself with the turbo lift comment, and she'd probably giggle. I'd get you know, but whatever. It, I'd start flirting. With, well, I'd yeah, start. I I'd start flirt. Like, I'd start flirting with her, but that's a different story altogether. You don't. You don't really have that option. I feel like, much with the, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I'm like hi. I re- I really loved you in that in uh. At the time, I might still have flirted with Wesley. But... <laughs> yeah, no, hey, well, William, Will Wheaton was a, a good-looking young man. <laughs> he certainly was. Um, but it was, it was, I just, I was shocked by that, that people were, were, were actually thought I was going to give away it's ridiculous. the woman's home address. And I'm like, um, did you know that she, that's where she lives? Because, I mean, I, I I think I may have said that exact thing just seconds ago, but I just I, I was I was completely completely just couldn't believe it, and and they were mad at me, and I was like, well, you know, sorry, change. That's okay. You can you can be mad at me. Change screen name now. <laughs> you know, it's like bye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it that's 
that's just a difficult situation because because you know like for yeah, as well, ma- we couldn't change screen names in those days it was, it was a different age for as for as um, many but- for as many good people are as there are out there that would just use it to send her some gifts someone would send her like a naked picture of their penis or something you know like somebody or, yeah or worse or show up at you know or yeah, show up with their naked something. penis yeah show up with their naked yeah, or, or, or or you know something try to do her harm or something and i certainly didn't want to be responsible with their for, penis for and I, yeah and i don't want to hear about any of that so no i don't want to know about anybody doing anything with anybody's penis when it involves dr crusher ex- 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 except for me but but we don't want to talk about that now, now my point no, no. i guess as what's, what was interesting though is as you said about pulaski uh, i think in my opinion beverly fits better into the ensemble cast in the same way that it yeah. you know works better without Tasha. <laughs> but I do like the fact that Denise Crosby made several guest appearances on the series throughout time. It would have been nice. Well, she made little several, you know. Several. Yeah, she she she, she, lived, she lived she basically lived on set and she just showed up. She never really quit. And every once in a while she'd be like, "I have an idea." Go okay. back to your box, Denise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe she was in one or two too many as the as the Romulan. Maybe that should have just been in one episode. She shouldn't have continued on in that character. Uh, but because I like her in Yesterday's Enterprise, and I like her in uh, All Good I Things. I love that. Yeah, and I and I love her in All Good Things. But mm-hmm. but I feel like it would have been cool or nice if they could have got Pulaski back for a couple episodes here and there throughout the seven seasons. It just would have been interesting it, to have her come back it and interact. They ever mentioned her? Yeah, mentioned her again. Even even having Data mention her because she meant a little bit more to Data because yeah. of what she symbolized to him. Or you know, your war. Close relationship. With exactly. War. It would have been interesting to have you know. some moment of an away team type thing where where it's where it's Worf and Data down on a planet or in some situation that there's some Pulaski something. You know, whether it's we find out she's dead and they and they bump into a holodeck version of her. So I don't, you know what I'm like, I like, do know that at some point they had a freaking episode Diana where they were. Oh, I was going to say they had a freak did retire. Oh, she did. She like, and then she unretired to do some voice work in cartoons. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was then, but you know, I mean, cause she didn't need the, you know, by that point in her career, she'd already been president of the Academy of motion of uh, television arts and sciences. Mm-hmm. She had already been a working actress for decades. Yeah, she didn't it wasn't need it. Like she yeah. needed the job. Yeah, and and I guess yeah. I guess that's she what, didn't want it. I think she's a professional, and she brought a lot to the table. She mm-hmm. she was probably one of the only other actors on that show, other than guest stars and Brent Spiner, that could really go toe to toe with Stewart as an actor. You know, like like in the scenes that she had with I Patrick. Don't, Patrick, I don't. I don't think Stewart's that great an actor. You don't. I never have. Okay, we can get yeah. it. Uh, see, I I appreciate his vo- vocal voice work, and I think the ability that he. Oh yes, my voice work is subtle. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about in Ninja Turtles as well, where he plays a villain in Ninja Turtles. Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you wouldn't. It's a horrible movie. Don't see it. But Patrick Stewart's amazing in it. I see what you're saying in the sense of. In his post Star Trek career, he hasn't really stretched his acting chops much. But I do appreciate I appreciated his uh his Moby Dick when I saw it as an a- as an actor. And I think anybody that speaks with the British accent automatically gets a pass and called a great actor. So let's just do it. <laughs> 
I guess I watch too much British television to do that. Okay, no, I hear you. So, so I you, watch too much British television, and I'm like, mm, you suck. so you, so <laughs> you, so you wouldn't. I think, I think Patrick Stewart does a good job up against where I started to respect him a little bit more as an actor is. In the movie Conspiracy Theory, I really enjoyed his character in that movie. It's a movie with Mel Gibson where Patrick Stewart plays the bad guy. And it's a, it's, it's a very... Yeah, that's two reasons why I wouldn't see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Uh, Number two, Patrick Stewart also, I enjoy him in the X-Men movies, mainly in his scenes with Ian McKellen. And again, and again, I just, I never really... No, no, he's... Like, he's, I wasn't... No, I hear you. He's, but I, I just, I really enjoy his interactions with Ian McKellen, and I feel like Ian, being an exceptional actor, brings Patrick Stewart up a level to an extent. But I, mm-hmm. I, I will agree that that I, I think he's perfect for Picard. I don't think anybody else could have played Picard that ratchety old. You know, I oh think, no, I, I mean, I, but, don't get me wrong. Star Trek needs that kind of scenery chewing yeah. in a big way. And, 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 he doesn't chew scenery and, like Riker, though. Or <laughs> come on, it, that, come on. Let, no, no, but I mean, but well, no. You know what? Take the episode. Um, what's the name of it? There it's are the three lights. Four lights. Four lights. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the episode with Max Headroom, where he's like, you know. Living is making choices, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I don't think. <laughs> no, I hear you, and and I and I do agree that. And we talked. This is probably my same problem when we were talking about two thousand one. Uh, Patrick Stewart gets a pass. I feel like a lot of times when, and I, I mentioned this mentioned this before uh, on the show as well, on the show as well. When somebody reaches a certain level, people stop calling them on being bad when they're bad. You know, it's like, oh, you're yeah. ne- you can never do bad. And I agree with you that Patrick Stewart is like, oh, Patrick Stewart's do- saying dirty things on uh, on American Dad. He's a genius, you know, when he's just going, huh? Yeah, well, and there's also, I mean, I, you know, and I, I like, watch and him back on I, on I, Claudius, and I'm like, yep. you know, blah, 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 I, Claudius! <laughs> and, then, and, then you, and then you start what, you start understanding why he had such a small part in Excalibur, you know, where it's like he, yeah, he, pretty, he, pretty he much, obviously yeah. auditioned for a better part and he only got that part. So, no, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I do need to give him this credit. I have never seen him on stage live and he could be an exceptional theatrical actor. You I know, have not seen him as a theatrical actor and I have heard magnificent things right about exa- him exactly and, I, and that were not in the same sort of fawning way that I've heard about him as yeah. a screen and, actor. I, and I do not think he's a great movie actor I do not no, think and, he has enough gravitas I think yeah. he's the he and as we'll step into it now I think that's hence the biggest problem besides not making all good things the the first next generation movie the biggest problem you have have because Q could have pulled it off as he has star power but Picard and and Brent Spiner, who's one of my favorite people on earth, neither one of them have cinematic movie going power. We had a discussion when I was about ten years old, and and you were right then, and 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 they should have listened to you again. You were petitioning <laughs> during Next Generation. We were like, I love this. You're like, this is my favorite series ever. This is my favorite Star Trek. I love this. This is great, 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 great. You know, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But you said, you said, and I quote, they should never try to make these into movies. 
Never. They should not try to make these into movies. And I remember saying, well, they're going to do it. You know, they're obviously going to do it. And you're like, no, they're not going to do it because these guys should not make movies. And I'm like, I bet they do it. You know, and I'm just, again, I'm just a kid saying it like. Well, you, and you were right. You know, but I was, <laughs> I, but you were right too, though. You, we were both right because I was right, right that they sure. were going to try to do it for financial reasons and to try to eventually those people would want to make a movie. But ultimately, they made it and none of those movies, even my favorite, who I include up there in a high list, but mainly because of because I really enjoy the Zephyrin Cochran, sorry, I, that's easy for me to say, Cochran stuff. Oh, and stuff. it totally ruins Zephyrin Cochran. Don't even it, start me on whatever. that. Whatever. I, I, I think it's funny. And uh, in the, I, I mentioned, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, the, my reasoning for liking First Contact so much is because I check my brain out at the door and I just think, and I just think of it as, it, it, forget the Zephyrin Cochran shit that that goes against. It goes against all the Picard stuff that happens in Family. You know, where suddenly Picard and I Borg and all that stuff. Yes. It, where and Picard he, suddenly, he is, suddenly has to go through it all over Yeah, again. he suddenly has rage attacks with the Borg again. You know, it's he's sh- killing yep. people in holodecks. He's killing his own people after we've learned from seven, to, 7 of 9 and him that we can bring people back, you know, from being yep. Borg implants. You know, like... The, 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 well, and by that point, too, they had deconstructed the Borg to the point where... I mean, talk about the first time you saw the Borg, they were... Terrifying. I, I think, and like, I think they feel later like later on they were boring. Yeah, and they and they needed to bring them back to being terrifying for that movie. And I do feel like they were terrifying. And I don't movie. know how you do it. I mean, it's like put them back together and don't tell us what was inside again. You, you like, make you make a queen. You, know. you make a queen and pray people didn't watch Voyager. <laughs> That's what you do. Oh, and the queen. Uh, 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 oh no, they brought the queen into Voyager eventually, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did bring the queen into. They had some other actress player, I believe. They brought her back. (laughs) Think Alice Krieg was adequately embarrassed. Yeah, she's like, I'm never doing that. I had sex with sex with the android. But but I guess we we like you said at the time we were both wrong, and they made and they made them. I feel, and I mentioned it at length last week, and I won't get into it too much. I feel like if they were going to do next generation movies, I understand. I feel like all good things maybe should have been should have been a. TV movie or something like that, and I should have, and then maybe they should have just done TV movies. If they were dead set on doing cinematic type stuff, I think all good things could have possibly been in, been, and then sort of had the same thing happen in Generations, but have it be a little bit more like the book, as I said, when you have more things going on in Kirk's world to have the true crossover, and because I think Generations could have worked with some tweaks. It, but then after that, it should have just been that universe. It should have been a combination Voyager, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine universe, like extend the Dominion Wars into the movies and have a Dominion War movie or something. Oh, I mean, you could have had you an amazing, have, like, six-part noir movie Of the rescue of Voyager, this. of the rescue of Voyager. Like, everybody, all the remaining members of the two casts come together to save, and you have mm-hmm. that as a counterbalance of, of, of the Borg, you know. I mean, imagine just the, the, the you know, the, the, the tension between Picard and Cisco. Uh, <laughs> And like the goings on on the station, and yeah, how and they Tom, you know, Tom Paris supply chain to the Tom Paris hanging out like, once they meet up with Voyager. Tom Paris hanging with out Nick with Carno. or we hanging out with Julian in uh in 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 what in uh friggin uh in uh why am I blank Miles Edward O'Brien or you could have Data hanging mm-hmm. out in the holodeck with Miles and uh, Julian. I mean, yeah, all I'm saying is you had a lot of potential in the in the franchise that you had, and to directly say, oh no, we need to make these all next generation movies. And the problem with that is, even though Patrick Stewart's not a star 
potential type movie actor. That's why I like him in movies like X-Men where he's not carrying the film, where you have someone like Hugh Jackman and Ian McKellen kind of carrying the film. And he's always in the back of those films. You know, he's never in too many, mm-hmm. too much of it. Uh, I don't think it works with him trying to be an action hero. And this is why the Next Generation movies just suck so bad. Uh, and a lot, all in all, or compared to the other one, because Shatner is such a great action hero in, in so many ways. Well, Shatner is in a lot of weird ways because Shatner has... Shatner has star power. So does Nimoy. They, ha- they, yeah. ha- they have that thing that no one in the Next Generation cast has. But, uh, but I guess... Here's, here's the thing. Shatner was, before he was... Shatner was once in a movie with, with, with you know... Um, Judy Garland and yeah, Marlena no, absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah, and he was one of the founding members of television. That face was so charismatic on a screen, you know. That in those first days of mm-hmm. television were very much like movies, you know, or watching visual plays. It was, I mean, Shatner was in people's mind. He was on radio. He was, you know, he he was a true yeah. star. And Nimoy just had that star quality. And then I would say DeForest Kelly was just a perfect foil for them in, in between. And then everybody else in that cast of the main members that became, you know, the the cream that rose to the top, the rest of them, they all have an it factor, you know, of some kind that they're great supporting players in different parts. You know, Scott, uh, uh, Scotty, uh, I'm, I'm, I was gonna say James Duhon, uh, friggin' Nichelle Nichols, yeah. uh, George Takei, and and Walter Koning. They uh, they well, all they and all Nichelle have. Nichols also had had the, I mean just the fact of being you know, yeah of, then, of oh yeah of she being was a black woman. She was a black lieutenant with power. You know? Yeah, with, she was an officer. Yeah, with yeah, op- exactly. She was a black woman with actual power. That that you everybody know. listened to on that ship. No one talked back to Ahura. You know what I mean? It's like everyone else would talk back a little bit to each other, but no one talked shit to Ahura. She was a badass. You know, she was one of my favorite and one of the you know you know I first girl crush type things was on Ahura. And but the, I get but with the next generation cast, I would say Patrick Stewart, Michael Dorn, and and Brent Spiner all are good enough to be supporting characters and. In, on screen in a film. But even none of them have really done any great cinematic work. Uh, Brent Spiner sticks out like a sore thumb, even in Independence Day or in any movie he's in, it sticks out like a sore thumb. He's great. He's a great character actor, but in a television comedic way. You know, like he's not yeah. really a cinematic actor. He's amazing television character actor and, ha- you know, and he has great chops and I'm sure he'd be awesome on mm-hmm. stage too. Michael Dorn. Well, if they were, if they were making Police Academy now, You'd cast him. Yeah, yeah, you could cast him in a Police Academy movie. Michael Dorn is a great voice actor and would be great on a Beauty and the Beast type soap opera type acting, but he's not going to carry anything. The same with friggin' uh, obviously, obviously Riker. Uh, why am I blanking on his name uh, right now? Rutgers. Frakes. Yeah, Frakes. Frakes obviously knew he wasn't an actor once he and became a director, and he's a pretty good director. He directs good television shows and and directed, you know, mm-hmm. not like. There's nothing wrong with the direction of the two Star Trek movies he he directed. It's more the writing is a little stale or whatever. But visually, both of them look great, and I think he got good performances out of all the actors and stuff. He's a you know he's a quality director, Jonathan Frakes, and and reading Rainbow. Guy, I mean, none of them, none of them have any it factor to carry on screen. You know, and you, you see know who them actually makes a good character actress is um, Marina Sirtis when she they have her on playing like 
you know, ethnic mom number yeah, seven. On, on television, so, yeah, on uh, SVU or an yeah. She's amazing as a... T- well, on um, The Closer once yep, or something. She's a great and television she actor like that. And, and Gates yeah. can obviously be, you know, was a decent eight movies, 80s actor. Like, she's in random movies. Like, I saw her in a Richard Pryor movie or something playing, like, a love intro. I think mm-hmm. she's in See No Evil, Hear No Evil or something like that. And, and she's in a couple of, you know, playing, like, the rich mom and... and, and Jackie Gleason's she, she's not in the toy in the toy playing but like characters like that she's decent at that but they never give her crap to do in the movies I guess my point is all these people in the movies from the next generation cast none of them can carry weight on a on a film and that's why when you watch them it's so boring in most of the movies yeah. and and for the most part I think Star Trek works better as a television series than it does as a movie I, and I think. In general, it does, it, and, I, and I think, and again, the the original cast is a hard example because they never, they never got to, like I, I mentioned this before. I would have liked to see a TV series, even though it was never going to happen, a TV series that before, like after the success of Next Generation, a TV series with all the original actors playing the bridging the just a two year or a two year miniseries or something that bridges the gap between the end of six to when the Enterprise is decommissioned. You know, on the missions that they go, because that's mm-hmm. sort of like a blank time where it's just the skeleton crew riding around for two mm-hmm. years, avoiding going back to Starfleet because they knew they were going to be decommissioned. I would have liked to see in the technology that they have in the nineties when Next Generation was made letting mm-hmm. the original cast be on a TV series that explores, you know, like just hence what I was right. saying before as it's tough for me to really, you know, watch the original series and compare it to the other ones. You know, you, because I think the movies do obviously work for them. But I think in general Star Trek the nature of the the medium, so to speak, works more not I guess that doesn't work because the nature of the of the franchise and the product works better for me in the television medium than it does in the films for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking of um, you know the scene where in Star Trek Three where they're going to board the Excelsior mm-hmm. and the um, <laughs> the little. You know, lieutenant or Kirk. He'll never get exactly. out of here. Puff, puff, puff. <laughs> and 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 Uhura's like, this isn't reality. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. Only yeah. she could do that. Like, really, you have to be. You know, you have to be like Michelle Nichols, Eartha Kitt. You have to be one of those sorts of people to, and, to and, get away and, with ob- that. and obviously it's it's easy to relook at it now and what he has become and in a lot of ways the Howard Stern show helped him become who he is today but you know obviously George Takei is one of the funniest human beings on the planet right now oh, yeah. and probably was then too and just has such charisma you know like and and Walter uh-huh. Koning committed to that part so much and then Scotty James Duhan was brought so much heart to the ship you know and and that's one of the things and we're gonna get this at the end and and because I know we're running uh short on time here but uh but that's one of the things I feel missing in some of the characters of the new the newer Star Trek so so let's just say that the next generation films weren't as big of a success as the original films because because partly you couldn't transition and, and again I said this last week and I, I want I'm wondering if you agree with me there's not 
as as much as I if I'm ranking all the films in order, I might put some of those films up here, there, blah blah blah. The thing is, mm-hmm. I, if I could take any of the really amazing, and there's a handful of them that we could talk about: Redemption, uh, All Good Things, uh, that cat, that one where Picard and uh, where you get the shitty captain on the ship, uh, Chain of Command. Uh, oh yeah, would, yeah, yeah. Would you take any of the awesome two-part Next Generation episodes and say that? Would you say that any of this next generation movies are better than any of those two part episodes? And I don't think so. I think each one of those no. two part episodes. I mean, there's a couple of next two part next gen episodes that I didn't like. I think no, I agree. I agree. But I'm saying but with the, the great ones, ones no. the, the great I ones, any of any of the really great ones, I would much rather have those than I would have. Absolutely, and I think you could say the same thing in, in general. I'm not. We're not talking about Voyager here because, because uh, honestly, when it comes down to it. We both appreciate Voyager, but I would say that we're not the best people to talk about the good qualities of Voyager. But I would say the same thing about Deep no. Space Nine. A lot of the longer arcs would have could have been uh, edited down to two and a half hour movies and been very cinematic in sco- in scope. You know, like with some of the big battles that mm-hmm. happened on that show and some of the inter- in- interesting two part episodes that you have, like the the one where they go back in time uh, to the to the to. Uh, past tense, I believe it's called, where they where Julian and uh, and Cisco are in the prison system, and yeah, right, right, right after, right before the the, la- the right after or before the the big world war you always hear about or something that could have been an interesting mm-hmm. television movie or so- or something like that. But I guess I think that's the point of the next generation movies that 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 I think by the time Nemesis rolled around, people were just ultimately caught up with the idea that the that the next generation movies were never going to be as good as the the two the great two part episodes and the thing about nemesis and this is why i put it higher on my list than a lot of other things i don't think the level of quality between nemesis and first contact which which are which are universally considered the best and the worst of the next generation thing i'm not saying that's the case but if you pulled most people most people would say nemesis was the worst the the thing that almost mm-hmm. that and enterprise killed the star trek Killed Star Trek, almost killed Star Trek, and they would say, and most people would say, First Contact is the best of the Next Generation films. I would, I agree. I think First Contact's the best. Um, some people might say Generations, but whatever. They might say Insurrection was the worst. But the thing is, the 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 ratio, the the level between bad and worse on those isn't that big to me. You know, like it's not like Nemesis is ten times worse. You know, it's no. it's. Just, I think people just finally caught up with it by that point that they realized, oh wow, you know, they're like oh my god, what are we watching? This is shit. You know, like but it's like it's not like First yeah. Contact was that much better. You know, I because I, I find I find right, things that right. happen in Nemesis very. I think Tom Hardy's an amazing actor and I think he puts a great performance. Yes, would I rather? And again, I repeat myself. Yes, would I rather that been Patrick Stewart, yes. Would I have rather before been lore somehow? God damn it, been lore somehow? Yes, I wanted it to be lore. And then you have those two parallels? That would have been fucking perfect. You know, but whatever. Like, again, but... But my point is, is that the next generation movies were always generally bad, and the the spectrum isn't there isn't that much you know much of a steps. So there there really isn't. So between the, the good and the bad, we briefly mentioned we're gonna uh, we're summing we're gonna sum up here and, and briefly talk about the Abrams stuff. But what I want to get to quickly is so basically at the end of all of this, 
Nemesis came out and Enterprise came out. Enterprise was canceled. Sorry, Enterprise fans. Never really reached its full t- potential. And w- for whatever you think about Enterprise, whatever you people tell me, Enterprise is great. Hey, it ran longer than the original series. It did. But but for whatever it's worth, all you people that talk really awesome about Enterprise and say these wonderful things about the show to me, I hear what you're saying. But I watched it and everything that happened, it's like a fucking JR thing at the end of it. You know, I'm not. I don't want to spoil Enterprise for the people that didn't see it. But if you didn't see the last episode already, like, watch the last episode first, and then tell me if you give a crap and want to watch the whole thing when it was all just a holodeck friggin' scenario that that Barclay's having or something. Was it Barclay? Yeah, it was Barclay or or whatever. Not Barclay. It was uh, was it Deanna? Like I forget. I it was been a while since I seen. I've seen the last episode, but the last episode of Enterprise, it's it's on. Enterprise D and you see Riker and Troy and you hear Data's voice and it was all a holodeck thing. The same way they were on like on those episodes in Voyager? No, no, that was the Barkley. That's why I was confusing the Not two. Vo- yeah. It's okay. Enterprise. That's how no, it- but there was there was an episode in Voyager that had Riker. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But the the last episode of Enterprise was basically defuncts everything that happened on Enterprise and calls it basically like a holodeck image of like remembering history. You know, it's just all bullshit. And Enterprise only came from the crap that happened in First Contact anyways. That's so Tommy Westfall. <laughs> Screw it. Oh my God. Enterprise sucked. I understand there's people that liked it out there. Alan, I know you liked it if you're listening to this. And I had somebody when I asked people to vote for favorite series uh, on the Issues Program Facebook page. And people voted, and I actually did get one random person that I'm only casually friends with that I don't know too well that came out and said Enterprise was his favorite series because he enjoyed the ongoing story arcs of the later seasons, and he feels like none of the other Star Trek series did that. And what my response to him was, and I'll say it again, you obviously did not watch Deep Space Nine that had a story arc from the first freaking season when they mentioned the Dominion, and it just goes on from there. And they build it up to the end of seven seasons, a complete story arc. Sorry, Babylon Fivers. You know, Deep Space Nine was better. Maybe it used as an influence, but I don't care. Deep Space Nine had Bobby Wheeler on it. I will not take it seriously. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, the, the, I'm kidding. I know, but I know. I, 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 my problem with Babylon Fivers is that is that Babylon pe- people that are into Babylon Five have absolutely no respect and love for Star Trek. And in fact, for the most part, in Greek let me be very clear here. I'm speaking in bold generalities. We're not talking in specifics. Yeah, I know there are specific people that love everything. But the, the the Babylon 5 fans, the ones that are like obsessed with Babylon 5 that I've talked, they'll tell you that Star Trek's bullshit because, you know, the way that the way that the planes and the uh, the way that the, the – and they call it that. They call the Star Trek ships planes. They're like, you know the way your planes fly around? They, the way your sh- excuse me, your ships fly around? They fly around like airplanes. That wouldn't happen in space. Babylon 5's real, man. That's real. That's what it would really be like in space. You know, Star Trek's bullshit. You know what happens really in space? Between your decks, <laughs> you get evil Chucky. Yes, Exactly. So for whatever it's worth, I appreciate what you're saying, Babylon Fivers. Yeah, you guys have the science worked out a little bit more, but I don't care. I've watched your show, and it's good. 
It is good, but it's not... Happy be- list between the decks. Yeah, yeah, and you go to visit him for some reason. There are some elements, but do you know what the best parts of Babylon 5 are? Is when they have Star Trek guest actors. When when uh, friggin' George Takei's mm-hmm. on there. When uh, Wayun from Deep Space Nine shows up and is on the is a character for a while. When they have the Star Trek people on there because they have that gravitas. Oh, what's his face played Bester? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there was a lot of good... Um, uh, a lot of good... Know. Yeah, him. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> Dying now because somebody doesn't know his name. Yeah, you can yeah. sense. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We don't remember your Walter name. Yeah, exactly. There. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, it, it has a lot of crossover appeal. It does. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing Babylon Five. It's a good show. But don't bring me that it's better than Next Generation or Deep Space Nine. Don't bring me that shit. It's not. And don't bring me that that oh, it's better because it's more real. No, that's like when people are like that person's superpowers is more real. That's stupid. As far as we know, superpowers are not real. Well, yeah, I mean, like when what's her face jumps into the, the thing in the shadows with the what? Yeah. How is that more real? How does it show more real than than this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not suggesting that Star Trek is exactly the height of of reality, but 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 I've reality. had I've had deep I've had Babylon Five fans get into heated arguments with me about how Babylon Five is real and Star Trek is fake. I'm like, what are you talking about? If, First of all, they're both fake. At least I'm living in a sense of reality. And Star Trek is becoming... Is that their whole thing about how Babylon 5 ships don't explode and don't make it... Yeah, exactly. That's part of it. Yep. That's Whatever. Part. I, you know, I that's saw part Babylon of it. That's part 5 of, that's part before they put... I saw the original, like, before they put the soundtrack in. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. It, it was. The soundtrack helps. It's slow moving. It's And then uh, a lot of this stems also from the fact that the Babylon 5 people uh, shopped the scripts to the Star Trek people. And a lot of people feel like they refused the scripts because they didn't want to pay for it. They used that as an inspiration and wrote Deep Space Nine. And thank... Okay. <laughs> okay. That's what... For good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with the outcome of that. Friggin' well, that's yeah, that's what yeah. what's his name did with computers uh, and how he formed his the first Apple and shit. He went out and got the other people's shit and he fucked with it till till it worked his own way. You know, like I mean, people they looked looked at what someone else did and then and then you know did something better. But whatever. Oh, that man didn't come up with an independent idea in his life. Exactly, he never came but, up with it. He stole everything and just proceeded. He stole. But, but what if he you did, think about it, most great ideas are stolen or in good some ways, ideas or whatever. Or, or are developed at the same time. Exactly. I mean, you know, the invention of the airplane simultaneously in, in the United States and Brazil, you know, pasta in Europe, Africa, and Asia, um, the radio in the U.S. and yeah, Italy. It, 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 it's like... Yeah, there's always someone working good, on it. Right, exactly. And sometimes multiple people do come up with similar ideas. So maybe there were a couple people working on space station ideas. Yeah, the idea... they're not at all similar. No, no, they're not. For example, not. there was no evil Chucky on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so let's just say that the next generation... And obviously, I also appreciate Stargate and or whatever, Battlestar Galactica. I haven't really got into it too much, but I appreciate what I've seen and, and I want to get into it. But it still doesn't give me the same sort of love as for Star Trek. So let's just say that Nemesis and Enterprise kind of really put the franchise at an awful place. There were sequels to Nemesis coming out that were ideas about, you know, before coming back. There was a reboot sort of series where we're finally to do the Excelsior series that was talked about a, a little bit as a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, through a lot of... That was, uh, that was um, 
George Takei wanted yeah, that. George Takei wanted that with Chris. Walter Candy used to make fun of him. Captain Sulu. Captain Sulu. Yeah, he really wanted that. He really wanted that. And but yeah. it, it but it didn't really happen. Uh, but at least he got to do that YouTube thing sometimes. Uh, that like that. that well, weird... and he also got to do it on um, Voyager. In Voyager, ex- exactly. And uh, got to be on Heroes. Got to be on a lot a lot of things that were you know. A lot of things for fun. Like, obviously, and I think, like I said before, I do have to give Howard Stern a lot of credit or, you know, for hiring him and him working on the Stern show for for really opening up him to another audience and making him very pop culture-y, so to speak. And, uh, and the movie, you know, the franchise was in a, kind of in the toilet, and there was a couple of ideas for reboots. I've read about a couple of other people that had pitched ideas. Um, but ultimately, what they decided on was J.J. Abrams from Lost and and, uh, and Mission Impossible 3, or is it 2, or something like that, whichever one was the crappiest one. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. for the most part, Star Trek 09, I thought was a fun film. It wasn't my, f- you know, I think... You play, you played me something and I and I and I'll put it in the description of the show. Uh put it in the uh when you go to the podcast page, you'll see the YouTube uh clip to this to this uh to this video that I'm about to talk about. Uh I think the person in that in that uh trailer does a good job at pointing out a couple of the problems with the movie. Uh it, mainly the way that the ship looks like a Mac station, you know, looks like you're at the Mac bar and stuff like that. Little things like that were a little troublesome in the movie, but I feel like for the most part it was a good tribute. The only problem I have with it, obviously, I feel like a lot of information was cut out so I don't give a crap about the villain, but that's kind of the case with most Star Trek movies anyway. Uh so I accept mm-hmm. that and it wasn't really about the villain. I mean, I think they could have done a little bit more with that and if you read the comics and I talk about this in the show, uh, there's a lot more to Nero's story that would have been interesting. He was in a Klingon prison for many, many years. Uh, you know, he didn't just sit around. What it seems like, oh, he just sat around for years. He was actually in a prison. You know, being tortured by Klingons for all that time. So it's so, mm-hmm. and we all know being tortured by Klingons isn't fun unless it's, unless it's a half Klingon, half yeah. human that like Worf's woman. I thought she was the only good-looking Klingon woman that. And and I actually think half uh, Klingon. Taylor, the discount mate. Yeah, I think half Klingons are attractive because I think uh, I think what's her name from Voyager is kind of attractive as well. Um, so half. Banana. Yeah, I think I think she's kind of attractive. I think I think half Klingons are okay, but so you know that could be troublesome. But I do think the biggest problems with that the movie is aside from a couple of cases, I do feel like you're just dealing with people doing impressions in some cases i think honestly surprised to say the person i think that did the best was pine because i feel like he didn't try to do shatner he did him he did himself doing captain kirk he had no choice yeah you can't do shatner exactly either he either he either had his funeral coming up or he figured out a way to do that character on his own exactly and he he figured and i think he figured out a way to do and to add a couple shatnerisms in there like when he's biting the apple and sitting in the chair his mannerisms to a certain extent but i think everybody else quinto does a very very reasonable job my problem with quinto is i watched heroes so i see him as a different character i see him as Mm siler and i can't see him outside of siler and he had the the misfortune of having to be in a scene with Leonard Nimoy. And I think the problem I have with, um, with Siler as, as Spock isn't so much the way he's playing him or his vocal inflections. I think he's perfect on that. I think he's just a little too puffy, a little too heavy. If that makes sense. I feel like he should become an anorexic for like a, I don't know. It's I, Leonard Nimoy has very distinct, but I feel like I'm being nitpicky about that. I think he does a very good Spock. I, I, I'm being nitpicky about him because he had a because Leonard Nimoy was right there. 
you know, with him. So you saw, and even though Leonard right. Nimoy look, looked a thousand years old, he's still, you know, you that like Zachary Quinto looks so close. You know what I mean? He's so close to looking like him that you're picking out all the. Oh, to me, he looks like you know he got bit by a bug and he feels he looks a little puffy. You know, like Spock got bit by a Vulcan bug. He's you know he has he got, he's, he needs a little Vulcan Benadryl or something. My problem with the movie hit, lies in all the other characters. I know what people out there are saying. Come on, Scotty and Bones are great. I think Scotty and I think they're doing caricatures of the other characters, and I don't feel like Bones gets enough weight. I think he's doing an amazing voice of a DeForest Kelly voice, but I don't think he looks anything like Bones, and I don't think he's funny. No. I, I don't think he's adding the comic relief. I think the comic relief is coming from uh, coming from the the Chekhov and the Scott and the in the. Uh, in in the uh in friggin Kumar or Harold playing Sulu over there, I think the humor's coming from them and coming from Kirk. But I think you're you missed the boat on what was so important about the original movies, which is in the original series, it's the triad. It's not just Kirk and Spock. It was Kirk and Spock's movie. You know, it starts off. You see Spock as a kid. You see Kirk as a kid. I know Bones. I know those are two main characters you don't want to confuse things but bones needs to be just as important i don't feel like him and spock have mm-hmm. any chemistry i don't feel like i feel like him and kirk do i feel like him and the the bones and the kirk was not forgotten in, in, in the first Ex- exactly yeah. i don't feel like him and spock have that 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 rhythm that they need to have for spock and bones and i feel like that's the biggest thing missing because i feel like the, the original series is about those three not about the cast as a whole and i don't like the casting decision i'll be straight out i don't like the casting decisions of ahura and sulu those two bother me for whatever reason and i and and i get why they cast simon pegg as scotty and i like simon pegg enough to not care but he doesn't look anything like scotty and he and not that he has to look like him he's you know he's simon pegg he's simon pegg as scotty he's not mm-hmm. he's not playing scotty you know he's just not you know like that's not but that's okay but again i think he also does a great good job in the way that pine does where he's not trying to do a caricature of that he's just giving his version of what he would be as scotty where i think again I just think Bones is so important to the chemistry of the original cast that they need to, that guy just doesn't have, you know, comedy isn't something you can teach. Timing of of saying one-liners and being funny isn't something you can map out in acting. Either you have it or you don't have it. Did you, did, have you watched Lost? Were you a Lost fan at all? Uh, yeah, I stopped. Okay, I just want, I was just curious. I'm gonna, I was going to make a, I was going to make a Lost reference. I think personally, not to go to Lost, I think someone like Sawyer would have been a better uh, McCoy because he's more wise ass natural, you know, than someone. Oh yeah, he would have been actually. He would have been a good yeah. I could just see him. You, I mean, maybe he would have worked tweaked the accent a little bit, but just the way, just that wise ass, condescending sort of look. He he would have been my casting choice. My perfect casting choice is McCoy, just because he's more believable as a curmudgeon. This guy, I just, you know, he's a great actor. Uh, Carl Urban, I believe his name is. He He's an ama- mm-hmm. He's a great actor. was amazing in the Lord of the Rings movies. But I feel like his Bones voice is a little bit like he's doing it like this. And it's hard to sound like a wise ass and be on top of it. Bones was quick. You know, he was, oh, we're in the dark ages here. You want to kill a man? You're going to drill holes into his head? You're a dumbass. You know, it's like he, he's red. Well, f- 
he's Red Foreman. You know what I mean? He's just like, you dumbass. You know, I don't know. It's just, and I don't feel that from him. And that's what I hope is, and I guess we'll get into this and, and you can start because it's, it's part, it's connected to what you're saying. Things you're looking forward to in the new movie, things you hope they improve on. Um, I'm not really, I'm not, I've been thinking about that because it's been, you know, it's been a while since I saw oh, nine. the first one and I've heard, I've heard rumors that the, the next Villains, one is... Rathacon hmm? Part 2. Rathacon 2-2. Two, two. I've heard the whole Rathacon 2-2. <laughs> two, 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 two. And I've heard... <laughs> B, I've heard two, like, B. <laughs> yeah. I, I, someone, heard, someone said, just not sorry to cut you off. Someone said, said, I'm quoting someone else that said that they, you know, like they're all for doing con in this universe, but they should have waited till movie three because just to avoid the whole Star Trek to Rathacon con thing, you know, just in case it's, uh-huh. it is con, it's, it becomes a little troublesome. You know what I mean? Star Trek to, to the Wrath of Khan so, part two. So, so yeah, so you've yeah. heard, you've heard a lot of the hype and stuff like that and heard, heard the hudge pullage about the Khan stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm, I'm sort of, I guess, I guess, I'm I guess I didn't, that they, I guess I didn't ask you the, I guess I didn't ask you the important question. What did you, I kind of talked over, I gave my answer to it. Uh, what was your opinion on 09? Did you did you enjoy that as a movie? Did you did you think did you Yeah, I did. Um I I did. I liked it. I felt like for the most part with the definite exception of Scotty and and I, I understand the, you know, the what concern I'm saying about, about like McCoy. Um they they got they got the the characters mostly right. Mhm. And I felt like they um you know, it, it felt like somebody actually cared about what they were doing. Yeah, no, I know, I hear you. It's de- you can definitely tell that J.J. Abrams. I don't agree with that part. Just to go to that video you sent me, I don't. Ag- the one part of that I don't agree with is when he says, "Oh, this was just for my star." Star Wars demo reel. Yeah, because I, nah, I, I, I feel like JJ definitely has a love for the source material. You know, there's little yeah. there's little touches here and there that obviously you know, and I think part of the reason why they did the alternate universe thing was to not not to ignore fifty years of canon, not to f excuse me, not to f with the fifty years of canon. You know, so they could do their own thing. You know, like so again to hence to go to where we were talking about our overall theme of this podcast. It seems to be future versus the past. No, it's that it's that like they seem to, you know, recanonize it so they can go back to the past. You know, so they don't have to go to the future again. You know, so they don't have to go take the point from Nemesis on. Now they can go to, you know, from the original cast again. They can do that the whole time. They don't have to redo the same characters, but they can do the time period. They can redo the same time period. You know, do the next generation time period. Right. So, right. so it was, it was, it was intellectuals, but so you did enjoy it. You thought it was got a good movie. So you're not, I did. I so, did. Yeah. so you trying to be like me where I'm trying to keep my hype down for this new one. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to overdo my excitement for it. I want to kind of like go in with a not cause it's, I just want to kind of go in see what it is. And yeah, cause I, it, I did the same thing with the last one. I just, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to expect much. My, my fear is, and I enjoyed it. My fear you know? is that, that unlike the first one where, as we've mentioned that, um, Voyager, and, not Voyager, Enterprise and, and Nemesis kind of destroyed the series. At the point that 09 came out, it was not expecting to be big and successful at all. It wasn't expecting to do anything. It was, wasn't getting a lot of fanfare at all. It was like, I don't know what this is going to be. I think a big problem that we're facing with this movie from a, 
critical standpoint, not from whether it's actually going to be good or not. I mean, from people's reactions to the, in the mainstream is that this movie's already getting overhyped as a movie of the year. You know, before it's even been out, mm-hmm. you know, like people are already saying this is one of the movies of the summer with Iron Man and this and this and this and and it's going to be con and it's going to be this. So I and I guess we'll close uh, close on this for this this new movie. How do you feel about the potential of the villain of this movie being con and all of that stuff? Do you have any opinions on that? I, you know, I said this about the Hannibal Lecter movies, although I, I don't think the same about the two characters, but, mm-hmm. you know, eventually stop it <laughs> Khan is not a major character Khan is a character that they picked out of an episode because he was pretty good the actor was alive and yep. they put him in a movie and it worked you could have don't, don't don't yeah you know, there's don't, no don't this is what i'm movie. hoping what i'm hoping is that everything has been set up to be Khan, but what it really is is just another another uh gen- genetic uh enhanced person another julian bashir well, going crazy sure, and you have the whole that whole Clone Wars. Yeah, and, and you and you worry about that stuff. Yeah. My fear is, and I, I'm kind of reiterating something I heard someone else say, and it is a fear I have, is that we're just going to get another... It, since The Dark Knight has come out, there seems to be a slew of te- like villain terrorist-type movies. You know, Iron Man just came out. There's a couple other ones. And I just, uh, I, I, I just hope this isn't a complete, you know, Khan terrorizes the country, sort of. You know, I don't, like... It would, it would be interesting to see if, if this isn't Khan, you know, like if the, because you got to figure Botany Base still happened, right? You know, they still like when is this time period exactly? Hasn't has isn't the Botany Base still? Hasn't the Eugenic Wars already happened? You know, but I could right. be I could be wrong, but I think they already did happen because the time where Kirk finds him, Khan was in there for a long, long time, so it would have been sent off before. All the change hat. I, I see. This is what I don't know, and this is what I hope is explained to me. Well, Khan was one of the Superman. Superman, yeah, from the eugenics, eugenic wars that happened. Yeah. That happened closer to the time of Enterprise, I think. But I like post Enterprise, before Enterprise, and before Next Generation time period. Like, who who knows? And that the one fear I have is is that no, it's before. It's before. It's after. It's around the time that Earth was destroyed in nuclear... In World War Three. that thing. You know, yeah, yeah, they always say, like, it's proof that nobody pushes the button. I'm like, unless you read the history yeah, of Star it's, Trek, it's in true. which case you realize there was a you know, big nuclear war. Big nuclear war that happened um, that, that forced them to become this way after Zeppelin Cochran yes. did his shit. But yeah. to get it to the point where at first contact when they were in those camps and stuff like that and basically terrorists. So, I, I mean, I think... I'm pretty excited for this movie, but I am trying to keep my hype down as well. I'm trying not to have too much over expectations and trying to, because I think when it comes down to it, and I said this before, but when a Star Trek movie is a film in this day and age, films just need to be fun. I, for the most part, we're not, they're obviously doing it as just a popcorn action movie again. It's not going to be a cerebral sort of thing that Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager are. It's not that kind of Star Trek anymore. It's an action well, movie. Well, no, because it needs it needs to be, and this is what happened, sort of the problem you hit with with Nemesis with and with Enterprise and stuff. Yep, no, ep- is that it needs to be? It needs to hit a broad enough audience. Exactly, and so they, and I accept that. You know, they, and, yeah, exactly, and I accept that, and I accept that that's what this you movie is going to well. be. 
Yeah, and if they do it well, exactly. And it's like it's like you may not enjoy Star Wars, but you know what it's trying to accomplish as a popcorn action flick is good. You know, or maybe not the original Star Wars, but like Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. It's good at what it succeeds to do. I don't know why I'm throwing those out there. But that my point is, I, I think might... I've only ever seen the first three Star Wars movies. Don't and want two of those. I only ever saw when they got re-released. Yeah, and one of those I slept through. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm what I'm what I'm betting is that you saw that you slept through Empire Strikes Back because they because it's a little slow. Which one's the third one? The third one is the one with the Ewoks. And stuff with the, oh, the little bear guys. I don't know which one. I yeah, we, Star, yeah, I know, Star Wars I know is a different. Yeah, Star Wars is a different podcast. The, the, the get Gotti into Star yeah. Wars podcast will be a different. Will be a different one. But uh, <laughs> but, but Gotti, I want to thank you for coming on. I know we're all over the place, but I think we kept pretty strong talking about some Star Trek. We've been talking for a while, so I'm gonna let you go for now. And uh, thank you, and we'd love to get you to uh, call up or leave a message or maybe call in when what. Uh, after you see the movie and give your opinions on sure. what you think. But like, thank you very sure. much today. Awesome. Thanks. Interview with Gotti. And that was a really great time. I mean, we seriously probably could have talked, talked for two plus hours. I did edit that down a little bit for, for the benefit of the podcast to try to get this into a reasonable amount of time. But seriously, we could have talked, we could have talked for many, many, many hours. And if we brought Alan into it as well, Oh, God, it would have been a seven-hour podcast. And, I mean, maybe next year. Maybe in next year's Star Trek month we'll have a uh, <laughs> have some Star Trek Jeopardy or something going on with myself, Gotti, and Alan to see who in our family is the biggest Star Trek geek. I think it's close. I think it is close. Well, everybody, this has been episode four. No, episode three. Excuse me. Episode three of Star Trek month and the issues program this week. Gotti and me. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and please, please, please check out the website, issuesprogram.com. Follow me on Twitter under I Got Issues Man, or on Facebook, search The Issues Guy. Check out all my friends at Jace Down Studios, the Boston Bass Brigade, the Land of Ash, Geek Argo, all my friends. Join in, and if you want to call or text any information... 781-990-8509 781-990-8509 I will be back next week to talk about the new movie and what I thought about it and that's what next week's show will be about thanks everyone for tuning in see you next week bye